Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. By integrating the comprehensive animal health product portfolio of Merck Animal Health with the innovative technologies of all flex livestock intelligence, we are shaping the future of animal health, resulting in more effective solutions and healthier animals. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. We're going to have a great show. Dr. Scott Radke is going to be here with us. We're going to talk about springtime toxicology in your cow herd. It's going to be a blast. Great to have him on the show. Stay tuned. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson. We're at Iowa State University at the College of Veterinary Medicine where we are blessed to have Dr. Scott Radke here with us today. Uh, Dr. Radke is an assistant clinical professor here in the veterinary diagnostic lab in the College of Veterinary Medicine where he is a board certified toxicologist and the lead of the toxicology section here for, for ISU, which is a, you know, a lot of rich history here in this veterinary school and a lot of rich history in the toxicology section in, of the veterinary school. Yep, certainly certainly a lot of history there in the toxicology section, Dan. And uh, first of all, glad to be here and, and talking with you today on grass tetany and spring toxins. Oh, it's gonna be awesome. And, and so let's get into some of that, uh, Scott, is, you know, as we talked earlier, there's, you know, we have some general clinical signs of, of different CNS or toxin type disorders that, that we can witness in the springtime, right? Yeah, that's correct. There's a number of things that we can see uh, from a neurological standpoint, especially when we come to certain toxins, toxins as well as grass tetany uh, that we'll plan on talking about a little later here too. Yep. So what are some of the general things that people would see that, you know, cow down or cow rigid? I mean, what, what are some of the things? Yep. So when we're talking about grass tetany, one of the most common things we actually see from a practitioner's point of view is commonly found dead in the middle of the pasture. But if we do see clinical signs with grass tetany, typically they're neurologic in nature, tremoring, ataxia, animals become recumbent, go down, start uh, convulsing or have seizures down and paddling as well. Um, those are the typical common clinical signs that you may observe in those situations in, in uh, regards to grass tetany. Yeah, so, so and that, you know, that was always, whether it's a feed yard or a, the, a pasture, you know, found dead is, you know, so many different types of things start going through the Rolodex from lightning strike to, to grass tetany to, to many different toxins, um, acidosis. But, uh, you know, what are some of the things then you kind of recommend once we find that animal dead or we have these uh, clinical signs, is get a veterinarian involved mm -hmm. uh, yeah. with case? Yeah, definitely. I would, I would definitely recommend getting your, getting your veterinarian involved in this because um, they have a pretty vast knowledge of what differentials they want to put forth. And that's really going to drive your uh, sample collection, your diagnostic testing. Uh, one thing I do want to clarify is that sudden death is not the same as found dead suddenly. So have to establish that first. Um, but as far from a neurologic standpoint, I know we're going to talk, out, talk about grass tetany and the neurologic signs that it produces as well. We have a number of other differentials to think about and consider from a tox standpoint in the spring. Some of those that come to my mind initially would be lead is a big one come spring, especially with turnout of calves and cows onto pasture. You can potentially get uh, exposure to old batteries that have cracked open and overwintered. Um, not a good situation there. You always run the situation with potential pesticide application or um, pesticides that were dumped in a corner of the field or misapplication. So those can also uh, produce neurologic signs depending on what class you have and that can also create some other uh, additional complications in cattle. 
um, nitrate, urea with non-protein nitrogen sources, also on my differential list for, for things that need to be considered out there. And some of the sampling collection, uh, sampling diagnostics are similar between those, those agents. Yeah. So we're going to talk about grass tetany. We're going to talk about lead. We're going to talk about some of these insecticides, pesticides. The goal of this is we got someone here that's an expert that's seen a lot of these cases and we're going to pick his brain and uh, we're, going to, we're going to talk about some of the things you need to look for in your spring cow herd, keep them health, safety, work with your veterinarian. We'll be right back. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Scott Radke. And Dr. Radke is a toxicologist here and leads the toxicology section at the Veterinary Diagnostic Lab at Iowa State University's uh, College of Veterinary Medicine. And, and Scott, as we were talking about different things, this grass tetany is, you know, as you come into the spring, something we need to be concerned about. Yeah, certainly, Dan. It's, it's one of those main concerns here. Uh, especially when we got turnout of cattle, uh, cows that are in late gestation, early lactation onto lush pastures, small cereal grain pastures. Um, we run that risk of hypomagnesemia and um, resulting, uh, commonly known as grass tetany, yep. but mostly uh, as a result of low ma uh, magnesium in the diet. Okay. And so, you know, like you said, we'll come out, we'll find a cow paddling. Um, and, and, you know, the, the first thing is if you, if you have that and you don't have the the, the proper treatment or you, your veterinarian hasn't left you with something to case definition treatment protocol product, get the veterinarian involved. Yeah, certainly. Um, definitely want to call right away, uh, especially in case of the grass tetany because those acute, uh, acute cases, they needed to be treated immediately and you want to contact your vet so they can bring out the proper equipment, proper medications for that, that process. Okay. So when, so I'm going to assume that then the treatment for these is getting magnesium into these cows and some sort of, you know, some of the, the different uh, IV solutions and things, uh, these cows can come out of this pretty quick. Yeah, generally, generally, uh, they, if they're given properly, if they're, if it's the treatments administered in a timely manner, uh, a lot of these treatments, the IV injections are the same, which you, you treat with milk fever and so and whatnot, because they have calcium and magnesium. Yep. Um, generally these cattle will come out within the, within the hour or so, but, we also have to keep in mind that cattle that do have grass tetany need to be monitored afterwards because there is potential for relapse and you have to retreat those individuals. And so then this, this decrease in magnesium, uh, there's two reasons why we can have the decrease in magnesium. Either it's not available or it's tied up, mm -hmm. right? Correct. So figuring that out is probably important as well, correct? With different Yes. Low quality forages versus lush pasture and into your bale feeding and different things of that can complicate things. Yes, definitely. And they, any any particular feed associated case or nutritional case can be fairly complicated and especially antagonism. If we have different minerals working against each other in the case of we mentioned uh, tying up with magnesium or not getting enough lush pastures high in potassium and the, the, the forage material there, but, uh, high potassium in the diet can prevent uh, the drive of magnesium absorption through the rumen resulting in uh, lowered amounts of magnesium in the body system itself. And ultimately uh, you have a deficiency there. You have your cl clinical signs. Yep. And, you know, some of these we've seen treated in the pasture respond immediately. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, they're not always uh, a happy cow coming out of this. But, but uh, um, you know, high mag uh, mineral in the spring important, I take it? 
Yeah, yeah. I'm and full full disclosure, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm a toxicologist, right. but I definitely recommend high quality mineral. Uh, even if it's multiple buckets of free choice mineral out there, uh, take into account how many animals you have, how much mineral bay, how much mineral you're actually giving them. Just making it available to them as a preventative measure to to supplement magnesium to those yeah. cattle. Always work with your local nutritionist, work with your local veterinarian, get a game plan to prevent this. A lot of times we're up here talking to you about it because we've seen cases, we've been involved with cases, um, but really your veterinarian sees the entire, knows your geography, knows the, the types of grasses and, and things of that nature and really a resource to bring value to your, to your cow herd. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna talk more with Dr. Radke on things that we're gonna see in the spring in your cow herd with toxicity. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson and Dr. Scott Radke. We're here at Iowa State University's College of Veterinary Medicine where Dr. Radke serves as the lead for the toxicology section here. He's a boarded toxicologist and uh, really lucky to get his time and, and expertise. Uh, if you have a toxicology case, uh, this is the guy to bring him to. Um, when we were talking during the break, one of the things that we were wanting to mention at the end, we ran out of time, is about potash and grass tetany. Correct. Yeah, so considering one of the things you also have to consider uh, for predisposing factors for cattle to get grass tetany is what fertilizer has been applied to that particular piece of ground. In this case, we were talking about potash, which can be high in potassium. So again, I mentioned before, high potassium in the diet can, can uh, inhibit mag magnesium absorption in the rumen. So always be conscientious about Hey, are we putting cattle out on pasture that's this has been recently applied to? Are we going to be running a risk there? You bet. It, it's vital to understand that. But then you get into because this is one thing about toxicology. They get the, the they get these cases that are that are not good for us as owning the cattle or or that. But they're they're so exciting to talk about. I mean, this is like. But uh, you know, let's let's talk about because you mentioned lead could be an issue in the spring. Yeah, certainly lead is a, a big issue in the spring. I, I, I uh, term it as lead the fifth season of the year because um, <laughs> usually in spring, that's the time we'll go ahead and calves and cows are getting turned out to pastures. Well, consider what the pastures perimeter is like. Is an electrofence? Do you have batteries out there? Was there any junk stored out there over winter? And if they forgot about a battery, was it cracked open, exposing the lead plates and the casings? That's a pretty common occurrence. We get those calves love to seek that out, even the cows, and they'll go ahead and chomp down on it, lick those lead plates, and then we got an issue. Oh man. And so when when we get into a lead toxicity case, I'm gonna assume that, you know, found dead or or a CNS non-responsive type case, um, what kind of samples do we do you need for a for a lead case? Yeah, so for a lead case in particular, uh, especially animals that have, have died already, liver is the primary uh, tissue sample we're going to want for just direct testing of the lead in and of itself. If you see an animal with neurologic cases, I always mention it's not everybody's favorite sample to take, but take the brain out. Oh, yeah. Make sure we rule out not just, uh, even if we got a pretty good indication it might be lead, we were on to rule out infectious diseases as well, make sure there's nothing on, on the brain there too. Yeah, polio, listeria, all the different yeah. CNS. Uh, types of, of, you know, histophilus, um, very, very important. So, so does it take, the question is, is, does it take a lot of lead or a little lead? I mean, yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I was raised when there was lead-based painting on all the walls. So, 
that's my excuse. But anyway, the um, <laughs> and uh, what what what's a wh how much does the animal do they have to eat a whole battery or? Um, don't have to eat a whole battery generally. It just can be small amounts uh, over a brief period of time. It doesn't take a whole lot to affect an animal, and it, it depends on the the size of the animal. Calves are far more susceptible than adult animals are, so it takes a little bit less than. I've seen the classic battery case. That's probably the most common one. But I have had instances where lead paint has been ingested by cattle as well that have fallen off the barn or pressure washed off or uh, just happened to be in a pile out in the pasture. And they ate the chips and, yes. and got uh, toxicity. And so, you know, what do we do with cattle if they've yep. been infected with lead? So, again, most of the time we see these animals, they're neurologic in nature. Uh, the adults, uh, some of them are found dead, a number of them are. Um, by that time, many a times it's far too long uh, to do anything, but there are some chelator options out there. Uh, however, there's a bit of gray zone with those those chelators because of uh, approval for use in them. Sure. So again, work with your local veterinarian, work with your US fair ad, different things on that for withdrawal times and yes. what we can do. Yep. Great. Great. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about some other common uh, spring type things like insecticides, pesticides. We got Dr. Scott Radke here. We'll see you after the break. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson and Dr. Scott Radke. We're at Iowa State University's College of Veterinary Medicine where we were both students. Yes. Both alumni <laughs> of this institution and a uh, fine institution it is. And Dr. Radke serves as our lead toxicologist for the veterinary diagnostic lab here at Iowa State University's College of Veterinary Medicine and uh, gets to see some pretty cool cases and does, does a lot of work with beef cattle uh, cases. And so we've talked about grass tetany, uh, we've talked about lead, and now another springtime issue that you see is, is pesticides or insecticides and kind of, you know, what, what, why? Yeah, so it's another common thing we see every once in a while is, is certain pesticides, especially insecticide compounds, is one, people are getting ready to go out in the fields, they're getting ready to plant, getting equipment ready, tuned up. Uh, we may have some flushing of pesticides on the ground. We may have it put into buckets. Those buckets may get misplaced, mislabeled, um, potentially worst case scenario, uh, added to the ration at times if they're mistaken for mineral mix. We've had other situations that we can see with uh, uh, piles of grain or treated seed that's left over that just gets dumped out in a pile uh, to, to be removed. Well, animals being curious, they'll find that pile undoubtedly, and we have some issues there. So those are some of the common situations we've seen with insecticides in the spring. Yeah, so, and, and I can see it too, and, and then we have shared water tanks and, mm -hmm. and, and not getting them completely cleaned out or putting water into them and then hauling water to cows or different things like that. Could, could see where those goof up. So what are some of the, you know, how do those calls happen? Yeah, so those those calls typically happen. I'll, I Working in diagnostic lab, I usually get the call uh, once there's a problem that's started or if they have questions uh, leading up to should we use this, uh, especially when it comes to the tanks. Um, so usually uh, when I get the call, we've got an issue already ongoing. Um, but I would like to touch on the tanks you had mentioned, not just the insecticides, but another common, two common poisons we see with water tanks being hauled out is making sure that clean tanks that are devoted just to water are used. I I've, uh, can't tell you how many times we've had cases where uh, a fertilizer tank has been washed out three or four times with detergent water still used, and all of a sudden you still got enough residue in there to cause complications yeah. in animals from yeah. a nitrate and urea standpoint. 
Yeah, yeah, I could, I could completely uh, see that. So be very careful on farming and ranching, uh, you know, farmer feeder, different types of things where you have a agronomy section to your business and a and an animal livestock business. Just making sure that we keep some of these things separate. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, any other uh, types of issues or springtime or fall time or or things that you've seen or. Um, I guess in the springtime for cattle, I mean, it's again, from a nutritional aspect, uh, we see, especially with, with spring calvers, uh, potential vitamin deficiencies, mineral deficiencies, especially if cows and heifers have been taken off pasture early, they're on a certain diet that's uh, um, just the only component of their diet, not a lot of forage, or if they're lacking a trace mineral or, or mineral program in general. So we, we see, we tend to see that in the spring months as well in, in younger calves. Awesome. Well, I just want you to know this has been great, and it's always good to to get you or Dr. Inslee on the show to to discuss toxicology. Yeah, much appreciated. So, folks, thanks for watching the show today. Remember, always work with your local veterinarian. If you want to know more about what we do at Doc Talk, you can find us on the web at www.doctalktv.com. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Scott Radke from Iowa State University, and we'll see you down the road. Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. By integrating the comprehensive animal health product portfolio of Merck Animal Health with the innovative technologies of all flex livestock intelligence, we are shaping the future of animal health, resulting in more effective solutions and healthier animals. When you spot BRD in your cattle, that's your golden opportunity to target infection and its associated fever with a single dose of ResFlor Gold, the industry standard dual therapy. To learn more, talk to your Merck Animal Health rep or your vet and see label at ResFlorGold.com. Animals intended for human consumption must not be slaughtered within 38 days of treatment. This product is not approved for use in female dairy cattle 20 months of age or older, including dry dairy cows. Valley Vet Supplies sees the hard work and effort of you and your animals to achieve your goal of being a champion. And we're here to help along the way. To the cowboys and cowgirls, to the dreamers, we see you.